Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as lightworkers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's Your Story, we will focus on real people with killer jobs and talk about how they got where they are today. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the Dreamcatchers. I'm Jamie Stozer. For those that don't know me, my beautiful sister's in my left. I don't know which way she is on your screen. Um, welcome back to the Dreamcatchers. We are so excited to be here today for a What's Your Story with one of our oldest and dearest friends who is a huge inspiration to us and to many around her. And we will have her introduce herself in just a second. Um, but happy Friday, everyone, and happy weekend. And for those on the East Coast, happy almost spring, because all of a sudden we have amazing weather that we're dealing with this this week, which has been amazing. Marissa, do you have anything you want to say quickly before we have Elsie introduce herself? Yes. So I am enjoying my my Phantom of the Opera sunlight that's happening right now. <laughs> because I, I, I considered zooming outside, then I thought that was rude. So now I'm sitting on the equator here. Um, I said this a minute ago offline. I will share it here. Um, This is our almost 50th 50th episode. And it is without question um, a timely week, not only because Jamie entered the 40 club the other day. um, It's okay because I'm in it. So there's nothing to be serious about. (laughs) Um, And then... In addition to that, we all have circled uh, the the sun. Speaking of her, she, um, we have circled the sun together this year in a, in a pretty incredible way. And a year ago yesterday is the last day I worked in my office as a normal human, human. being that I used to be. Um, and I think our guest today helped me to transition in several important milestone shifts in my life. So, and I know she's done that for many, many people. It's probably, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, one of her superpowers, but here she is today marking that year together um, in a very uh, important conversation where we get to celebrate that milestone together in a, in a positive way. Because um, as she said this morning, we're entering year two and how are we going to, be better, correct? How are we going to be better? So without much further ado, I mean, she needs no welcoming from Jamie and I, um, but go ahead, Lori, introduce yourself to our audience. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Lori Cole. I am the founding senior master instructor of SoulCycle, which um, is actually going to be celebrating 15 years next month. So we're, we were working today on some of the anniversary stuff that we're going to be doing. Um, I've been with the brand since October 1st, 2006. So um, 
a long time. I think it's the longest. Well, I know it is. It's the longest job I've ever had. You know, I think in this day and age, everybody kind of bounces around and explores and experiments and things are changing so rapidly um, with uh, media and entertainment and everything that I've ever done. And so this is like the longest job I've ever had. And I never thought I would have lasted this long. So obviously I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me today. We're so I think to I took my first class. I took my first class in March of 2007. So you were about, I don't know, five months wet in, in, in getting the, the brand off the ground. Um, yeah. We had just come from a Justin Timberlake concert oh my and God. my friend, actually Jamie's friend, who is also my friend, um, dragged me across town to take this Lori person's class at like 10 something in the morning, which in those days was early for me. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, Children. you know, in the city, mm -hmm. we didn't go, we didn't go, you didn't go to different neighborhoods unless you had to, if it wasn't for going out, right? Like you went out in different neighborhoods, obviously, but you didn't like do a morning activity well, definitely not, then, for, in a not different for neighborhood. fitness, not for fitness. No, God, no, no. no. Everything I, about, and it's funny it, we, it all changed after that because of people like you, right? Yeah. And that I always think about. Wait, yeah, can we just know, go back I, to the to the Justin Timberlake thing you said? Didn't yeah, we all go to a Justin Timberlake concert? We, yeah, again. Also all went yeah, we definitely have. That was the we hottest did. night of my entire life. We did. Wait, where the, were we? We were in, we were at the JTJZ concert and it was the hottest night of our lives. It was the so hottest where was that? ever. It was, it was uptown. Um, uh, did we see it at Yankee Stadium? Yes, Yankee Stadium. Yeah, the black, we were the, the black and white. Was it the black 150 tie degrees? 150 degrees. I the black and white, that. black tie tour. <laughs> but what happened? I've never been hotter. I actually, I remember. Speaking of equators, that was literally it was 150 degrees that night for it sure. Was, literally 150. But I will say, Marissa said, you know, she's been with Lori since October. I mean, March of 2006. Weirdly, what's crazy is that as those who know us, Marissa and I do very little apart. And my two best friends were who took her to this class and they would go and they do their thing on Saturday mornings, which, by the way, was at 1045, which is not early for anyone. Um, <laughs> and it's like close to 11 as you can be. Um, but I, I remember feeling such FOMO and I was like, why are my sister and my two best friends having all this fun without me? And I was like kicking and screaming. I'm never going to like it. I hate stuff like that. I, you know, all I want to do is go to a dance class, like group fitness sucks. Like blah, blah, blah. And so finally I was July of 2006, which if you think about it is no, a long seven. time. 2007. 2007. Yeah. By the way, a long time. If you think about it, that my friends yeah. were going to March and I finally was convinced by July. I was like, fine. You know, like, this is like, I'm done being left out. And, um, you know, flash forward how many years later, Lori was there for, she was the, one of the reasons I didn't know I was getting engaged. I got through both my pregnancies with her and, you know, now we get to take her class in my basement, which is kind of amazing. Um, <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get to all that. So our favorite first question, Lori, our, I think I might know your answer, but I think it's fun to hear it anyway. We like to ask our guests our, their first memory of what you remember wanting to be when you grew up, when you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I 
think I always and forever has wanted to be a performer and an actress. And I don't know where was the actual first memory, but I do have an early memory of um, Lucille Ball in I Love Lucy. And it was in black and white on our TV. And I probably was under the age of five. And I said to my mom, like, how does Lucy live in this TV? Like, what? she goes to bed in there? Like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, how does she get out? You know, like, that's, I want to hang out with her. And, and I, I just remember thinking, like, I want to do that. And probably I went to some show. I, I mean, I didn't go to Broadway because I lived in Los Angeles. Um, but I definitely saw some pretty impressionable shows as a young person. But I just always wanted to be an actress. And I happened to uh, be a semi-professional gymnast for many, many years, um, which is kind of where I honed the craft of, like, being diligent and driven and organized and fit and all those things that eventually now have led me to do what I do. I think everything in life kind of has a, a weaving in at some point, like everything, all those gymnastic classes and all those acting classes and everything that I do plays into who I am now, as it does for probably anybody who chose their career, right? That's so literally what you we just, always you, Yeah, you just took the words out of our mouth. That's what we always do. It's a fun little project that we try to deduce who you were at five and how that's applicable today. Because I think mm -hmm. one of the hardest things for people, whether they're suffering from the noise of regular day-to-day -day job search or yeah. from the fulfillment, or they're suffering from all that noise plus the noise that we've been currently living in, we forget to honor who we are a lot of the time. And if you just go back to the basics about who you were, who you are, what you liked, what you were interested in, you discover quite a bit about yourself. Yeah. If you just take mm -hmm. a minute and pay attention. And it's a fun little exercise that we always do. I forgot about you being a gymnast. For some reason, I remembered you being a dancer. So I, I was, was a, little... a dancer too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the gymnast part, I should have known because I know you always like... Um, I know you always pay attention to all the Olympic stuff. So, you know, I think that's a great, you know, from our vantage point, we had always, we always hire people or like to hire people or like to look at resumes that were people that were athletes Yeah. Um, from any generation and any season of career. When you see somebody was an athlete, you automatically know what their tenacity, dedication and ability to commit to a project is. Um, yeah. Right, James? Mm. We say that all the time is that, you know, especially if you are, you know, I grew up as a competitive dancer, which I reference often where there's something about that training and that commitment at such a young age of missing things. And speaking of FOMO, you know, constantly being at um, competitions on the weekends, you know, performing for a crowd and not just that. I think it's, you know, so much of what you do now of motivating a crowd and connecting people and entertaining people. And that is something that when you are born with that innate interest and ability, it, it ends up coming with you somewhere. So yes, I am not a professional dancer, but I am a podcast host and a motivator and, um, you know, a, a panel um, host, things like that, that now I'm talking in front of crowds on a regular basis, which I, always wanted to do as a kid. And yes, I dance on the side and do fun things like that for fitness. But, you know, I think a lot of that stuff, what you wanted when you grew up really dictates 
where you land. And if you can't see the correlation, we always try to kind of come up with that for people, especially when we're looking at somebody's resume. Like, who are you? Like, who? what are your interests? Um, who are you and your group of friends? That kind of thing where you're like, oh, like, Maybe that is what I want to be doing, or maybe I need to think about that. And we will get to this, but b- before we came on air, we were talking about how fitness as a career was not necessarily something that we knew was an option when we were young. And now it's so prevalent and you were way ahead of the game, you know, as far as doing this for so long before everybody else. Mm. Um, so that being said, okay, so you wanted to be a, well, you were a gymnast, you want to be an actress. Tell it, talk us through quickly, you know, what was your first job? Like, what was your first paying gig? Like, what did you do for money for the, you know, what, what was your first job that you remember? I mean, I did what every, all, you know, all young people do. I babysat and stuff like that. And then I uh, went to college and I had to pay my way. So I was a concierge at mm-hmm. um, this incredible resort called Broadmoor. And, um, I learned from the ground up how to, you know, be in a service industry. And then I ended up keeping that job after I graduated, I moved back to LA, which is where I'm from. And I started acting professionally and I had that gig on the side. And then I fell into teaching indoor cycling at gold's gym in Hollywood, which in its heyday was like the place to take class that and crunch. And, um, and so I was like, oh, wait a minute. These classes that I'm teaching are paying my rent. Like that wasn't even supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And so then I started to invest more. It took me a long time to really figure out that your passion is your purpose. Because I think everybody's so lost in figuring out what their passion is. But really, you have to get quiet and figure out what brings you joy. And especially now, we've all kind of shifted and pivoted so dramatically in the last year, even though. Some of us don't think we've done enough, but I think that's just it. It's like, you have to get quiet and figure it out. And it's like, I was so busy being busy that I didn't realize I was honing the craft of what I was doing and that everything that I was as an actor and and I still am an actor, but it's like my bread and butter is obviously soul cycle because it it took a lot of energy to, to get this company off the ground. And then once you're in, you're in, it's like, you know, you, to keep your level at where, at where you are in terms of success, you can't just phone it in. I mean, it just doesn't work that way in, in, in any business, whether you're a tenure Harvard instructor or, you know, your head of uh, your CEO of a bank, you, you still have to be at the top of your game. You can't just phone it in. And I, and I really appreciate, you know, um, women in particular who are kind of breaking that glass ceiling of, of leadership and, and being brave and, and being entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, as you were saying earlier, um, before we went on, it's like, you have to really just trust the process and that if it's, if it's meant to be the work you put in will pay off. Like you, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, even acting, I'm still like, hi, I'm here. <laughs> like they're shooting law and order right outside here. I'm at my, um, workspace. And I'm like, hello, like I get butterflies when I walk by the set, you know, it's like that I still want to do that, but it's taken so much like intense energy to do this. Like you can't really kind of do it. You either, it's either all or nothing. It's you get Mm. what you put out, right? It's like, whatever you do, let's say you're a musician and you only put in 10 hours a week. You're not going to be very proficient. It's Mm. just, you know, where you put your time is where you invest your energy and your purpose. 
So should and I tell Sam? Should I tell Sam that forty-five minutes a week on his drum set is not enough to become a drummer? Not gonna cut it. Not Joy. gonna cut it, Sam. Granted, you're only eight, but you need to really hone your craft. He, wait, does he does he watch that girl in England? Nancy? Oh my god, he's obsessed. We watch those all the time. She's amazing, and she's I mean, not that much older than him. I'm like, how do you think that she got that way? She Kid. plays every instrument, every day. and she's like an. I mean, she's amazing. She's like a spot. She's incredible. Jamie, you know how much I love to give somebody a gift that I'm passionate about, right? I just, oh my gosh, of course. I find something, we're tagging, we're sharing, we're, we're DMing each other. We have the megaphone. Time. We have the megaphones. Yes. The minute I love something, it's like I want to give it to every single person I love because that's the way you and I work. That's the way I felt when I was gifted a Taja candle with a customized little saying that meant something specifically for me. And it smelled good and it lasts forever. And it's just gorgeous. For the dream catchers, everything for us, both Marissa, myself and Jamie is about leading with light. So it makes perfect sense that our favorite gift to give is just that, a, a beautiful gift of light from our friends, Annabelle and Taja Collection in Miami. It's female founded. They're handmade in Miami in small batches. Everything on the candle is fully customizable. So you can customize the front, the lid, the underneath of the lid, the scent, and then the actual candles are reusable as vases. And I also find when you don't know what to get somebody, a candle is just always the best gift. And for me, the littlest things make me super, super happy. And if it's a gorgeous candle, I feel like I'm spoiled. I totally agree with you. And they're 100% soy wax and free of all junk. So you're not like inhaling grossness when you're burning them in your home. If you want to try Taja Collection for yourself, check them out. www.tajacollection.com. That's T-A-J-A. Use code DREAMCATCHERS10 for 10% off. Um, you know, you're hitting so many of the nails that we talk about so often. Obviously, we're all cut from the same cloth. We knew this before we talked to you and for years now. Um, but you know, you said that today during your ride and I actually texted that sentence to a few girlfriends during the day about something unrelated, but obviously all related at this point that your passion is your purpose. And so it's, you know, this is what we've been preaching to our candidates and clients for so many years, having, you know, now being putting people to work now for close to two decades and, and sitting with new grads and trying to figure out what they want to do when they quote grow up and how to switch careers or how to get back to work after you've had your kids or whatever your circumstances are is what is your passion? What are you good at? And if it is, if it's not like, okay, your, your financial situation may not allow you to kind of go after your passion, but finding those joys in your job, right? So if, for example, you are at a desk job and like, what are the things you do love? You know, is it, you know, you're good at numbers. And so that's how you figure out that you want to maybe be a buyer for Bloomingdale's, which you never really thought about the fact that you could do that with being good at math. Um, so really- I thought you were going to say Barney's and I was going to be like, RIP. Yeah, right. RIP. <laughs> that, that probably was a dream job for most of our listeners. Oh, so yeah. sad. So sad. Um, I know I, I chose Bloomingdale's because I was like, what's relevant? Um, it came to me. But, um, you know, I do think that you're 100% right there. And that's one of the reasons why Marissa and I started our podcast is that one of our passions is talking to other powerful people who have an amazing purpose on this, you know, earth as to what they do for a living and how they inspire others. Because what else what, what else are we doing? Well, and I think in, if I'm going to pick up, so some of our questions, we just have kind of, we our, our customary script 
we just kind of rolled into one just now, right? Like your aha moment for you in your career was whoopsie daisy, I'm paying the rent in LA by riding this bike in a gym and working as a concierge, although my heart still beats for acting, you yeah. know, my brain is starting pushing me through a different direction. Now, little would you have ever known the path that would have come from that, mm-hmm. which is kind of mind blowing if you really think about it. But, you know, you had that aha moment where you started to notice that you could feed yourself literally and figuratively in a, a, a fitness realm which honored some of the passions that you always had. So mm. even though you weren't necessarily acting all the time, you were still fulfilling your life, your like a joy for yourself, which is a really unique position um, to find yourself in because most people are not that fortunate. Well, um, especially back then when I started yeah. teaching, which was 2000. And of course. all mm. I did was take a weekend course by Johnny G to get certified for spinning. Mm-hmm. And nobody taught me like how to do it or how to talk on a mic or how to rally clients or, or any of that. And I think being a concierge, like I was so good at rallying people and communicating and like getting people excited about restaurants and trips and things and, you know, selling people on ideas. And I think I was like, no, I have, I had no mentors, like zero mentors, like the people that were teaching beside me were doing this as like a side gig just for fun, you know? And I started to realize that I had a following from 2000 to 2006, like to walk away from that. I was a master instructor, you know? And to walk away from that was like the scariest moment of my life. And you moved across country. Mm -hmm. And I moved across country with a guy that lived in New York who shall remain nameless. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, did you like today when I was like, yeah, I did have a song by the way, just just for the record for your exes, for the record, I know I digress and I don't, but I have to say you you have always had the intuition. When you call my name, you always call me right when I'm struggling. Robin said that today too. Jamie, keep going. I'm like, you're right. I'm sitting down, Lori. Okay. You can see, you can't even see me. Um, but two, I laugh. I have always been like, okay, so Lori's funny. When she's on the bike, she's cheeky. I'm like, that's a thing, whatever. Um, if you know, you know. Um, but I, for whatever the reason, have always just been either because I sat right in front. I just would always hear like the extra laugh. <laughs> so like when you were saying it today, the first one, you're like the first song. And then you said second song. And then when you said the fourth, for some reason, I'm by myself in my basement. I like laugh guttural and like spit because it was like, by the time she cuts off, it's going to be like the whole playlist. But it was just, it, I, I don't know. I heard you. So, Thank you know, you and I sit there and I'm like, this is what this is all about. Laughing ridiculously by yourself in by a basement. Myself. With someone that you know you would be laughing with if you were right in front of them, so it still counts. Well, um, so can I just digress for one more moment for just a second because it really made me laugh. So one of the things that Lori always allowed us to do in her class when we were live, um, it wasn't every time, but often was to do this like guttural scream, which by the way, there's very few places as we know where you can scream at the top of your lungs and it won't affect anyone. Like maybe in your car where Marissa and I do that sometimes with like the windows up and you just need to like, like, because if you do it anywhere else now, especially if you live in an apartment, it's like, you can't, you can't just scream like that. So today I thought everyone was out and Dave took (laughs) Sam for a walk and I screamed like next level. She's like, give it a good scream. And I was just like, 
like I lost my mind and then I felt the need to like woohoo after just in case like anyone was upstairs and they <laughs> so I come back up and I say to Sam like how was Dunkin Donuts like blah 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 I thought they were gone the whole time he's like what happened to you the primal scream especially now and by the way I walk the streets of New York often without even thinking is anyone around me and I just go oh like loud. How can like, you not? How can you not do that right now? Oh like, my god! Uh, I needed that so badly. It was so perfect. And then, of course, I scared the like hell out of all the people in my house. Whoops! Sorry. Um, <laughs> it was really funny. It was a good one. That's a um, I wish I had it on video. But anywho, um, okay. So wanted to kind of now we we got a little bit of your background. You know, we talk about your title ish, but just for the sake of like formality. Tell us about what it is that you're doing now. What is your role within the company? Actually, before we even get there, how did you start? You know, you moved across the country. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the brand and give us a little, you know, quick overview. I know it's hard to go fast, but just a quick overview of how you went from teaching at Gold's Gym in LA and now being this, you know, founding instructor of the biggest fitness brand in the world. I just want to understand how that, even happens for someone. Um, and then we can talk a little bit more about what you're doing currently, like a lot of the stuff that you've now done to pivot the brand because of COVID and et cetera. So give us a little overview of how that's, how that all happened. So I think the cliff notes version goes like this. I was teaching for six years. I was a master instructor. Um, Janet Fitzgerald, who is one of uh, another ma- uh, senior master instructors at SoulCycle, had a, um, we were both teaching in LA at the time. And one of my very close girlfriends, Charlene, uh, worked for her as an instructor. And I went to go take her class before I left for New York. And um, Janet owned this place called Body and Soul in West Hollywood um, with Tevia, her ex. And it was- I took Tevia's class once because of you. When I was in LA once, I went there and I took her class before, before I- like what, like at the very beginning of time. Yeah. Like, like Janet is, 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 you know, um, she's been around a long time doing this uh, longer than I have. Um, and I was taking a class. It was like, I don't know, Easter or something. And I saw this flyer on their desk and I asked Janet, I go, what's this? She goes, Oh, it's the only freestanding spin studio in New York. I go, the only one. Like I, I was like, how is that possible? And, um, and so she's like, you should go. One of my old riders, Julie Rice, started it with a couple of other women. And it just so happened it was just opening. And so I was going to New York to visit the guy that I eventually moved here to be with. And we were, you know, looking for apartments and stuff like that. And SoulCycle had been open for two weeks. And I walked in on a Friday morning at 9.30 a.m., which if anybody knows in fitness world is prime slot. And uh, three people were in the class. And Ruth Zuckerman was teaching. She was one of the original co-founders with Elizabeth Cutler and Julie Rice. And I took the class and I was like, oh my God, this is how I teach. Like it was a rinky dink, as you know, little space behind no signage on 72nd street between Columbus and Amsterdam on the Upper West Side behind a juice generation, no signage, nothing. And it was, it probably had like 28 bikes and no mats underneath the bikes, just wood flooring. And this big giant kind of like what we still have now of the, the, the empty road behind you in black and white um, mural. 
And so I talked to Ruth after class and I said, Hey, I'm thinking about moving here. Are do you guys think you're going to be hiring? Like, you know, and she's like, I don't know. We just opened and it's not going that great. And I was like, yeah, I was, I was like, I've been teaching for six years. I'm going to give you my number just in case um, something happens. And I walked out going, they're never going to make it. Like it was Friday morning at nine 30. And I was one of four people in class. And I was like, I, I understood kind of like the foundation that they were trying to build, but it was like bare bones, zero energy. Like I appreciated Ruth's like, you know, vibe and, and her music. And I was like, Oh, that's my music. And anyways, fast forward, I moved to New York and I'm here one week and I get a conference call from Julie, Elizabeth and Ruth. Hey, Lori, this is soul cycle. And I'm like, Hey, how are you? And I'm thinking, cause I gave them my number. Um, they're like, listen, the three people stopped by this week asking if you teach here. And the last person who stopped by, which was a friend of mine who was starring, um, on a Johnny cat as Johnny cash on Broadway, um, said, is Lori Cole teaching here? Cause she, she said she's, she moved here. We can't find her. And he, they're like, do you have her number? And <laughs> And so they, they pre-social media, they're like, how do we find this woman? Yeah. But the, but the truth of the matter is, is that the the irony is I had given Ruth my number many months before Mm. and, um, like a good, well, that was April, May, June, July, August, September, five months before. And, uh, on that phone call, they hired me without ever meeting me or anything. They were so desperate mm. for new energy. And simultaneously they had hired Stacy, like literally mm. weeks, weeks before me. I didn't even know Stacy had moved to New York. We were both teaching a mile apart from each other for years. Stacy had been teaching, I think 10 years and I've been teaching six years. And Janet had been teaching at that point about 10 years. And um, I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to give some texture because for people that might be listening, I think it's really important to say, okay, so back in the day, fitness started on the west coast totally. east coasters did not spinning, understand fitness spinning, spinning was a thing in la that's yes. why like if you were going to stacy griffith's class my class or janet fitzgerald's class even though we didn't know each other per se and because we were all teaching at the same time across town that was like the place to be that's like where you went from the club especially like the gays you know it's like they they went out all night stayed high and got on the bike. It was, mm-hmm. was like, and then it, it, turn, it turned into wellness because it was a way for people to get It was exactly and, that. Fitness came from partying, right? It was a, it was a totally. West coast energy on the yep. East coast at that time. You belonged to big gyms that were social yep. driven spaces. Yep. And yep. also there was a lot of yoga. Um, but the mentality between yoga and the big gym was such a far divide and there was still a lot of outdoor sports happening. So socially yeah. in New York, you would do like softball or all this interesting yeah. stuff. You'd or, run and yeah. you'd run. So there was really, and there was kickboxing was the only thing in the East Coast that was kind of a thing at that time. But also right. in addition to that, you're realizing that here you have this tremendous personalities with these well-known followings, but this is before social media. So if you happen to know Lori Cole's class, yeah. You knew it either from traditional PR, like a magazine yeah. article, by the way, or that organically is, from mouth. Like by yeah. the way, that so, is how that is how Lindsay discovered Lori because she read about it in Daily Candy. Oh, oh my Ricky. god! 
R.I.P. Candy. Daily Candy. She oh read about God, read about Soul Cycle and was like, you know, she was a big fitness person, still is, and was always looking for like the new hot class. And she was the one that would like discover the cool class at like Equinox, and you have to like go do your trials so that you could get your week so you could try that one. And then I mean, we've all done. I mean, I have done all the things. I was like maiden name, middle name at New York sports this week. So I could try this class. And we were doing all that craziness. You're doing like pole dance. Like you're doing every single like, boot camp. Running I was trying air. And Lindsay was trying all those things. And she was like, that's how she found out about SoulCycle. Yeah. So like, I heard about this boutique spin studio. And at that time you were like, what is spinning? Like, you're just like st- sitting on the bike. You go nowhere. Like, and I remember that was why I was so resistant at first, but Lindsay was, that was, and and that's what I mean. Like for anybody that is not, you know, from the world of before social, you need it. So you open up a space, you have this big idea, right? You had to get a couple of hits of marketing, the daily candy, the daily candy, which is an RIP for anybody that doesn't know was an email email distribution list with hot items like a Zagat, like a, actually that's a bad reference too, because that's also not something people know. It was, it was basically like a who's who's, where's where's, buys buys guide for anything that was hot right now, where Instagram, we can find that by looking up anything. We didn't have anything like that. So if you made it onto Daily Candy, you made it. So, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, and you made it to anybody's inbox that would be somebody that you would want as a customer. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So that was really how, you know, Lori moved to New York, right? And she, I mean, they are looking for her phone number. Like people are walking into this place and like, do you know Lori Cole? I mean, that's so funny. How funny is that? That's, that's the so way funny. the world was. You didn't know. If you didn't, if you knew the person, you knew the person, but you wouldn't know how to get in touch with them unless you had their number. Plus their cell phone was like a StarTech flip phone. We weren't taking yeah. pictures on it. So there was yeah. no documentation. Anyway. I didn't mean to get off topic, but I wanted to, it is really important to showcase how the brand and you were built here because what we take for granted today did not exist, was Mm -hmm. non-existent. Well, it's much harder to get exposure and it's also much harder to be kind of the it thing, right? I mean, it's New York City. You know, it's very intimidating to start a business. And on this phone call, I said, what do you mean somebody gave you my phone number? And I knew who it was. I said, Ruth, I gave you my phone number when I was there like five months ago. And the other girls on the phone are like, Ruth, what? (laughs) I was like, I was there. I took like the first week or the second week. I can't remember. It was like very, very new. And they're like, can you start tomorrow? And I said, okay, I can start tomorrow. Um, They go, we just have two rules. And I was like, okay. They're like, we hear you like to swear, no swearing, and no hip hop. And I was like, okay. And in my mind, I was thinking, I'll play that game for a minute, but like, that's not gonna be able to fly because that's not who I am. Like, I'm not gonna change who I am to to go teach at a spin studio that has 10 people. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was a very slow build. And I say this a lot to like the younger generation that works with us who, you know, as talented as they are, they want it yesterday. And often what I preach is that everything worthwhile takes time mm-hmm. and you have to hone your craft. And we started with 12 people and 12 turned into a solid 24. And then we got more bikes in the room and we brought people close together, which also RIP riding close together because it's like, <laughs> what were we thinking? Can you imagine the germs in there? And, um, 
and you know, you were there in the early years. Like it, it was a hustle. And like, I remember one night before our first big snowstorm of winter and, and it was supposed to be like, like three feet of snow on the Upper West Side. And I said to Julie the night before, I don't think anyone's going to come. I don't, I'm not going to trek all the way up there. And she goes, if we don't stay consistent, they won't start coming. And it mm -hmm. turned out that day was a sold out day because uh, there was a snow day for mm -hmm. school, which we don't have anymore because everybody does everything remotely now. Um, and so that class was sold out. And we realized that people really needed SoulCycle in their lives, not just for fitness, but for their mental you know, and spiritual well-being. And it was mostly women um, in the early days. And I was really the first person to kind of get men in class. And so it was really just Stacy and me and uh, a couple of other people who kind of floated in and out part-time. Um, and then uh, we started hiring, you know, people and a lot of them are still with us. Ayana um, being our first um, black female instructor, she's still with us and she's freaking fantastic. And um, Kim Perfetto was with us for a while and then she mm -hmm. left. Now she works for Alpha Plus. And, you know, slowly but surely we didn't get any guys to teach for us. And then, you know, within the first five years, we had really expanded and we opened um, a bunch of studios, uh, not a bunch, like five. And, um, and it was, it was a slow, hard build. I think for two years, I didn't have vacation like at all. And it was the true definition of a startup. And then, um, the third partner, Ruth Zuckerman, who was the only talent on the team in terms of teaching talent, um, decided to leave. And um, that was very complicated and contentious. And I think the remaining founders realized, like, if we don't make Julie, I mean, um, Lori and Stacy partners, like, we're going to lose the business because it's a talent business, right? It's mm -hmm. not a tech company. It's not a candle company. It's not a t-shirt apparel company. It's a talent company. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's when we kind of became part of the business. And I was already, you know, I feel like when I do something just, I'm always in, you know what I mean? I'm the one cleaning the toilets, even though you didn't ask me. And it's like, I pay attention to details. I'm like, you know, I always, and maybe I will be, I always thought of myself like a director brain, like a film director. Like I kind of see all the nuances and the details and things. And I think the details matter. And I think the experience matters. And maybe that's the concierge in me, mm. but, but I was so insistent on making this successful that I literally poured everything I had into it. And, and then I was actually getting a lot of acting jobs at the time because I was the new face in New York and a lot of these people came to SoulCycle and I got hired for a lot of gigs. Um, I remember that you were very busy. Mm -hmm. You I were was very busy. busy at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and by the way, we just for, for texture, another texture piece, we as your students knew you very well at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we were all living in Manhattan and hanging we out. We were all living in New York. We were all living a very similar lifestyle. Um, you were new to town. So your students were a lot of your students were your friends because that was the community you were building and still are. Yeah. And mm -hmm. still are. Um, and you know, I think, uh, it, it, it became, you know, through the years, of course, we've heard so many different ways to describe soul cycle. Right. Um, but it was for, for me, uh, it was every place I had never belonged wrapped into one that I belonged to. Yeah. And I mean, I would go religiously, religiously 
and probably, you know, ironically, um, as people follow their teachers, sure, through the years, I mean, I know, um, you know, as you guys grew, I mean, we were there, I was part of the party that tore down the wall of 72nd Breakfast Street. I was there party. when the Tribeca studio opened. We were really part of the growth of the business. And I really think for were. entrepreneurs like Jamie and I are, we, we really emotionally connected to it. Yeah. Growth. Like yeah. we all, we felt it. You all, we, you all felt ownership over it. Yes. Right. Yeah. We really, you know, I talk about this a lot with, you know, obviously I preaching to the choir. I'm sure Lori has so many stories about this, but like, you know, the new classes that would, the, the new class of people, meaning like the freshmen that would like come in and like be like, have you tried SoulCycle? I'm like, oh, I'm an OG. Like, yeah, but that word up. OG gets thrown around too. Oh, like, yeah. Like, you know, I'm real, like, if I've ever, when I've gone to other studios, like, I'm not, I'm not sure it's a compliment anymore. Yeah, like, but I'll <laughs> say, I'm actually like, so, like, I went in Austin last year and I was like, when I was in Austin, I'm like, I'm an OG, like, an, a real OG, like a real one. And so I'm like, <laughs> I like, right. myself to the front desk. I'm like, just take care of me. Um, but <laughs> I, I do think, you know, like Marissa was saying, it became such a part of our fabric. So Marissa's saying that she was doing it because it really brought her a community that she never felt like she had. For somebody like me who grew up on teams, it was this thing that I felt and familiar. Yes. And I was a sorority girl. And, you know, so here I was in the city, just kind of floundering for my space. I was volunteering. I was like trying to find my thing. And what became to me was like my community, my place that I connected. I mean, there was a time there probably for five or six straight years where I took Lori's class Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, every single week, sometimes Tuesdays. So three to four times a week, every single week, only Lori. I was like, only yeah. Lori. I literally, people were like, try this on. And I did, you know, I've, you look at my history, you might see one or two or four others, but most of the time, only Lori, it was our people. It was our gang. I talk about this all the time to people. I'm like, you would walk around the city. If you saw somebody in that OG Soul Cycle sweatshirt, like the original merch, you knew them. You were like, yeah. Hey, yeah. Only so you many shared an, you shared an experience with yeah. somebody at a it, time that was really special. It, it's yeah. true. It's funny. I was thinking about rather than wearing a jacket, I was going to wear, I have Me too. The, I was going to wear my first sweatshirt too. Old. It's just, yeah. it's just not that flattering in this moment. Um, but that's <laughs> it was like the old school, like oversized zip, zip up. They got way yeah. cuter over time and I, I yeah. have it still, I still own it. Obviously. So, so, you know, I mean, granted, of course we could talk about the brand and we can talk about the candle. We can talk about the scents. We can talk about the merch. We can talk about the people and the hiring and the growing and the growth and the, you know, the millions of locations, not millions, but you know, a lot of locations, but that's not really that's a story that's been told before. What mm. what I'm here today is to showcase my friend in her way, where it's like, okay, so here you are, a teacher, right? At your heart, you 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 married teaching, fitness, your ability to rally a crowd, um, some of your side hustle into your job, and now 15 years later, you were part of the. You were now part of, as you were saying before, you became a a partner. And then, of course, we all know um, you'd be living under a rock um, that obviously the partners uh, sold or, or, or however you want to you, you might want to say it better than me. Um, and you're still standing and part of the 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 corporation that is now backing SoulCycle and part of the reason why we can take you in our suburban 
homes, which unfortunately or fortunately happened <laughs> through the through the journey of our, of our friendship and our loyalty to Soul Cycle. I've always been loyal to Soul Cycle. My life just didn't allow me to be as loyal as I would have liked to have been. So tell us how your job has changed. Tell us about how you have continued to shift and grow within your own position. And tell us maybe some unexpected joys um, as you've rounded the curb in the last year. We know the woes, but what are some of the joys? Mm. I think a deepening, uh, a deeper understanding of why Soul Cycle is so um, important in people's lives. And we always kind of knew that, obviously. We had people like you who were dedicated, you know, once a day, three times a week, four times a week, whatever. But that we were their, um, we were their life force. We were their touching point. We were their anchor. We were their, their ability to go, okay, this is something that I still have mm. in a time that is so uncertain and broken and where we all lost everything that we identified with and, and was our identity. Um, but we needed something that made us feel secure and safe and find joy. And, you know, the pandemic really leveled the playing field and, and allowed us all to realize like your health is really all that you can control mm. because there's so much we can't control. But if you are well, you won't get as sick. If you get sick with the virus, you will recover quicker. You will be able to survive and you will be able to thrive. And I think we all lived in an insurmountable amount of fear, which I think we're going to be unpacking for many years to come. And we'll realize that that places like SoulCycle, listen, SoulCycle would have never survived had it not been for the clientele base. Like, that's just the truth. We didn't even shift into online, live, this live project that I helped create until um, August. And I started working on it with another person in my office in March. Um, because I was like, we need to, I can't just leave these people hanging. I felt like a, a responsibility. Like I, I was worried about people's mental well being, mm. like, like, especially the ones that come once a day, they mm -hmm. use it as, as the anchor as therapy, kind of like, mm -hmm. like in a, in a, in a survival mode, not just like vanity mode, like survival. And so I was really worried about a couple of people who I know were really intensely committed, not just to me, but to, to, to the routine. And I thought this is going to unravel very quickly if we don't reach out to these people and we owe it to them and they are our people. And we've all worked a decade and a half for this. You can't just let it die. Like, and it was really the, the community of teachers that rallied and said, you know what, we need to do this. Like this is, this has to happen. And also for our mental well-being. like imagine me, it's like, I get up every day, I create playlists, I go, I have to hold myself accountable. I have to take care of myself. I have to look good, feel good. You know what I mean? It, as soon as you took that away, it was like, well, well, then what's my purpose? And so that was, that, there was a real reckoning. Um, I think in every business, it was like, well, what's important and why? And I think we doubled down on the why. And now it's like this trophy brand, which was a trophy brand before the pandemic, became acutely aware of that piece of the puzzle that people need in their daily lives 
to feel safe and sane and healthy because everything else you can fix, right? Um, you know, people lost jobs, they lost friendships, they lost, you know, homes, but they had their soul cycle. And it was like, okay, everything's going to be all right. Like if I can just ride in Lori's class, like virtually even. And then we opened up, um, in July, um, outdoors and we were one of the first, I think, to do it in this type of a way with the headsets and the big tent outdoors. And we just, we didn't even know what we were doing. We were just like, let's just do it. A couple of my colleagues are, are, are like hats off to them to, for figuring it out um, because it wasn't easy. And we opened in the Hamptons and we were like, let's do it. And then we opened in the city in August and we basically been open every single day ever since, even in, you know, 15, 20 degrees. And it's, it's been tough, but I don't even remember what your question was, but <laughs> I, think, yeah, I don't either. Um, but you know what I think you were talking about, we were talking about some of the small joys, right? Oh, so yeah. This, yeah. Small joys is just like being able to stay connected and accountable and like doubling down on your purpose. And yeah. And you know, like- I hate, I hate to bring this, bring this up, but you know, it's, it's a natural conversation point here is you know, I, having been such a loyal soul cycle follower, and then I moved, we were in Hoboken, we were still coming into the city a couple times a week to take class. Um, but when we moved to the suburbs four year, four and a half years ago, you know, that changes things for you in a lot of ways. You know, I had to find new ways to exercise, new people who inspired me, which I have done very, you know, slow burn, but we figured it out. And I was very resistant to change that way. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, was, that, had, that definitely had a downside after that many years. It did. It made me it angry. Hard. It made me angry. It made me grumpy. It made me, you know, I think a lot of people probably resonate in this way. If you move far from the city and from Soul Cycles, you know, and, and then I was so grumpy because Soul Cycle opened across from my apartment in Hoboken, which Lori knows Marissa and I were big advocates for for years before it actually happened. And then we left and it opened and we're like, of course it did like directly across the street. Um, and by the way, I always say to Marissa, we wouldn't have liked it anyway. Cause Lori wouldn't have taught in Hoboken. No. We would have, I mean, cheers to you Hoboken, but we would have been yeah, in the like, city anyway. Would, I was always, would have come in the city. You I, been, I say, I say this, to go to Tribeca anyway. I say this with love. I was a squatter in Hoboken. Like yeah, I was, lived in Hoboken, yeah. but I was a city person. Yeah, we were <laughs> squatting. Everyone knows that about me. I've never, I am who I am. Sorry. Marissa, so, that's hysterical. I'm yeah, a squatter in Hoboken. A squatter in Hoboken that lived, that really wanted to be in the city. That's what we always say. And so, you know, I moved here and I was very resistant to an in-home experience. I think that the pandemic has shifted a lot of people's perspective and admittedly bought a Peloton at the beginning of the pandemic because actually right before- your bike was not out yet. All of my friends had a Peloton. So I was like the community thing, like maybe I'll enjoy it. And I will say this, I love it. And I love it because of Lori. The reason why I'm able to enjoy spinning and can self motivate is because I've had Lori's voice in my ear for, you know, over a decade that I fully believe that. And I'm able to enjoy the experience. And then now that I can take her class at home virtually somehow, um, is a huge bonus. So I have an in-home bike. It's not the Soul Cycle bike. Um, so talk it does about- add a little bit of sex appeal, doesn't it? You're yeah. doing something a little bit. A I'm like doing something a little, but like so are so many people. You're um, being naughty over there. Yeah, I'm being a little, a little bit naughty. naughty. It's a little bit naughty. Sorry from my Peloton, sorry. Um, but I do think that 
I'd love to hear from you a little bit about the at-home bike that came out. I remember it was announced like right at the beginning, literally like this week, if I remember correctly, it was like right now. Um, I do know a lot of people that have gotten it since. Yeah. Um, It's a great bike. Yes, yeah, so it's an awesome us. bike. I mean, that's the difference between the Peloton bike, um, aside from the fact that my ex-boyfriend made the Peloton bike. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, God, I've left so many ex-boyfriends in my path. Um, <laughs> uh, so the, the, the at-home bike, the SoulCycle at-home bike, we um, filmed the beta version about two and a half years ago. Um, and it was just going to be, we were going to own the bike. We were going to do it. Once we realized how much it was, Equinox came in and said, we'll buy it from you. Um, but we're going to wait to launch it because we want to have all these other modalities that we own. Now Equinox is owned by a company called related and they own pure yoga. They're investors in rumble, they're, um, um, precision run, Um, They own Blink, you know, so there's all these other modalities and fitness kind of um, places that they own and they wanted to put them all on this one particular app. And the bike was obviously going to be the anchor, right? Because the bike is the biggest cost. It's not so much the $40 a month or whatever it is. So we had to wait till they were ready. And um, I had filmed actually that original um, beta. Um, We shot it in New Jersey, and, um, I was like a co-producer on there and I helped cast it and was there every day. And it was like, I wanted it to feel like soul cycle. And I started to see that, you know, it was a very, very produced version of us. And even though it was our people, to me, it resembled more so of like, you know, something that would happen in a stage, in a sound stage, mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, what ended up happening was the pandemic happened. And I was like, we have 99 studios. We have 400 instructors. We can keep everybody safe. You go in there alone, film, we'll get all the camera equipment set up. We'll film live classes and everyone can stay employed. And we can do this around the clock, 24 hours a day from every major market and every major time zone, including London. And, and this is a way to keep people employed. And also you can connect to people because like, we already had the sound system. We had the lighting, you know, mm-hmm. it was scrappy, but I was like, let's do it. So it was right around the time the bike was launched. And unfortunately the timing of it with the pandemic, obviously if they had known, they would have brushed it before the pandemic Mm -hmm. and we would have probably sold way more bikes, but like, you can't predict that kind of stuff. And I think in the end it it gave us a nice one way. You couldn't predict that the world was going to shut down for an entire year. (laughs) Yeah. There are some things I can control, but that was not one of them. That was not one of them. Um, But I think in, in retrospect, it gave us a nice runway to kind of work out the kinks you know, because we are already a major brand versus when Peloton started, nobody even knew the word Peloton. And so they could spend a lot of time working up kinks. And let me tell you, technologically speaking, there's a lot of kinks, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's not just doing what we do, which all of the talent on this particular platform are the best, you know, and if we could have everybody from every market, we would, but COVID didn't allow us to travel and go set up in other studios. And it still doesn't because you have to quarantine and, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's a lot at play here, music rights. Um, And so anyways, long story short, it ended up being a success because people wanted the authentic version of us. And that was what happened in the studio, which is the magic. And you can't really create that so much on a soundstage for various reasons. And so people really bought the bike for the live classes and not, not to diminish the on-demand classes. I think they're great. It's just different. 
And I don't think you can kind of duplicate the same essence or ethos of what the brand is in a, in a produced thing and have it be the same as what people know. And I'm talking about like the soul cycle people that have been riding for years and years, years that were probably the first ones to buy the bike even. Yeah. Um, there is but, something you know, to be, there's definitely something to be said about that. You know, and, yeah. and by the way, we could, we could talk, I mean, I could talk about this. I could talk about this for way too long, actually. Um, but the truth is, is so the, the way the Peloton inserted itself into my life, I, I didn't care for it because I, I wanted to be at soul cycle, which conjured up those feelings that Jamie described, which for lack of a better word, it was angry. It was just a feeling of like, why is this part of my life over? I didn't sign up to have a piece right. of me be done just because I chose to leave Manhattan. Like, right. you know what I mean? And that, and, and the thing is, is unfortunately, unfortunately, there's a lot of great fitness where we live because we live in a, in, a, in a beach community. So there's a lot of great things happening here. But unfortunately, we were very spoiled by our experience. So even though Jamie actually can find, Jamie's able to find joy easier than I am. Shocking. Um, but she is where for me, I really struggled. It took the pandemic for me to subscribe to my Peloton. I had it for two years and it collected dust. Dave used it. I couldn't get, I couldn't do it. I would go outside of my house for fitness. Then the PS is because they couldn't do their live classes anymore. And they were just alone in their studio, in their studio that way. I was able to emote because I couldn't deal with the whole thing. So it was such an interesting thing. But for me, when I was able to take you and actually, and I don't even know, I probably would have had the same amount of emotion without a pandemic. To have a slice of my life mm-hmm. given mm-hmm. back to me the that I can take when I want to yeah. is like a priceless. Well, yeah. yeah, it was an investment. You don't want to give up on it, your investment. You didn't sign off on that. No, it you wasn't know. my, it wasn't, it was not my fault that I couldn't go anymore. It was right. like, and I think that was, I think the hardest transition piece, but I, I have very much, um, very much enjoyed being able to have you at home. Um, it is exactly what you're saying it is. And I'm speaking to anyone that has not had the good fortune to try. It does give you a slice of the magic. I mean, there's nothing like being in a full class in Tribeca or, you know, in, in, your, in your home studio, we used to go to NoHo too. But like in Tribeca, in the morning, with the coffee afterward, there's a vibe that you cannot, I mean, but that's also not the life we're living right now. Right. So, and I'm not even living that life if I wanted to be living that life. So if I can get Lori Cole in my basement for 45 minutes, two times a week and feel that connection, that's awesome. And, and that's why I, for, the, the live stuff really resonates for people. You know, I think it really, that, really does. It's important want it, a piece of that. It's well, it's not only that it's a connecting to you. It's connecting to their memories. It's connecting to foundation. It re- reminds us of accountability it reminds us to show up for ourselves. There's a lot of it. This, the soul cycle culture, also for those of you that don't know, was very de- was very formative in, in creating solid habits of dedication to oneself. So you couldn't go to class unless you signed up at 12 o'clock noon. You could not be part of what you wanted unless you planned your workout. I actually said this time, I said this time and time again, I credit soul cycles cancellation policy. <laughs> for my fitness in my twenties and early thirties, because if you did not 
cancel by 5 p.m. the night before class, you lost your money. So it was like why I went half the time because I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot to cancel. I got to go. Like, it's not a question. You weren't going to lose 30 bucks or whatever it was at the time. Like you were still. Which now everybody has adopted, right? All of yes, boutique. Oh, 100 percent. Every boutique gym has done that since. And I always say this and I will say this to Lori and 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 to anyone. Soul Cycle was first with all the things. Every yeah. single thing, most places emulate SoulCycle in some way, whether they b- think they do or not, whether they even realize they do, from having a hair thing at the front, a mint, gum, the whole experience, the way it smells in there, the whole experience from the minute you walk in to the minute you leave, that has now been replicated so much. But it really, you heard it here, it started at Soul. But what I was worried. Were you Soul was Sunday at noon? No, we was were only the, Mondays what, at noon. I don't think. Was signups it? used to be Sunday at noon. Was it? Oh my God. That's really they, OG. They had they had to fix it because <laughs> the um like Wall Street people, their assistants didn't work on Sunday. Oh yeah. Okay. So we could talk about so, forever. So I have a question. Yes. Wait, I, I want, I'm going to say what Jamie's going to say next is, so you've hired, listen, you've hired so many people. Okay? Yeah. I wanted to ask you about, well, we just described, we you just described you all, you're fundamentally responsible for allowing people. I'm giving you that credit. The Academy Award goes to Lori Cole, um, for creating a career option for many humans, the generation behind us to enter the workforce, wanting to work in fitness without it being, shall I use the word stigma? Now it is actually a career professional where you could be in marketing, you know, operations, you licensing with the, the, with the product and the music. I mean, it's a real full blown business. Career you've, hired, you've hired hundreds. I'm, I, I'm putting words in your mouth. I'm assuming you've hired hundreds of people. You personally been part of a hiring process. I mean, I, I think, I think it would be more honest to say like we did it. Yeah. Right. None, none of this happened alone. Like this was, you know, pieces of the puzzle that came together as it did. Like at the beginning we were very scrappy. We would audition front desk people like Jenny gather worked at the front desk and she auditioned mm-hmm. for me and Julie. You know, and I remember, you know, the words that were said when she walked out and like, I really took those people under my wing. Um, Emma Zacks, um, member string. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was, a, there was and even Claire who has since passed away. Like there was a select few that we did this non-traditional kind of training thing. And yes, I was, I was part of many of those auditions and, and informal training and semi-formal training. And then when it became like a real training thing, my strength was not in the day-to-day training of them. It was like, once they got to a certain point and I could nurture them. Um, so I can't really take credit for that because I, I didn't invent that. It just, you know, Janet came, I think year four and really turned it into a professional kind of thing for us um, because that's what she did for her own business when she had the business in LA and she created a training program, which has evolved and is still evolving, but we've hundred, you know, we, we've, we've hired hundreds and in the pandemic we lost some and that's, that's, you know, the natural weeding out process of any business right now. But I think the experience that we all brought to the company 
the decades and decades of experience really mattered. Um, and even if people didn't know it, they were learning from the people who created opportunities without having to have side gigs. And really SoulCycle, like you said, to your point, created a place where you could have a career in fitness. Whereas before it was a side hustle, you didn't have health insurance. We were the first people to give health insurance. Like I remember Julian Elizabeth gave it to us for free because they realized like, should we insure her legs like JLo? Like what are some- I, rem I remember this. Yes. They mm -hmm. were like, we like, how do we, you know, I remember we were researching how to insure our legs because the truth of the matter is like, we were holding up the business because mm -hmm. without us, traveling to the Hamptons, going to LA, to, you know, doing all these things. Right, there's no great. marketing department if there's no talent, right? There's like if you're not going to classes. People are coming there for the teacher. That's just the truth. And that's the way I mean, I think it's a talent business and it took a while for the company to figure that out. And totally. now, now that they have, it's like, it's a little more cohesive, but it's, you know, it's not easy running a talent business that is based on fitness and wellness and creativity and motivation. And so, you know, you're all those things to all the people at different parts of their lives. And sure. it's a, it's a huge responsibility, but it's also like a great honor. Right. How do so, you, how do you stay inspired through everything? So many people what do you ask do that when I do you? interviews. I think it changes and it morphs. I think what inspires me is staying active and in front of people. So I have to get sleep. I have to eat well. I have to treat myself well. I have to know when to pull out of a situation if it's too much so that I have energy to push myself back into it. Um, I'm very good at creating boundaries. Um, I did that very early on. And I also have a life outside of SoulCycle. You know, mm -hmm. so in a lot of ways, SoulCycle is like my baby that I never had. But I also have a life pre-pandemic, of course. Um, but, <laughs> you know, we're all figuring it out. It's like what you love can kind of take over your life in a very unhealthy way as well. So mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's one particular thing. Marissa, I think it's just you stay inspired by watching people transform and like staying alive. And like, you know, a lot of people are getting divorced right now and they happen to just be coming to my class because they need that kind of moment to make sure that they're doing the right thing. And a lot of the best ideas that I've ever had have happened on the bike. So I know it happens for others too. And also just seeing Same. people through their journey. It's like, it's like, listen, it's a responsibility we all have. Like you can't just come in and press play. It's just like, there's massive amount of preparation. There's massive amount of recovery. Um, and discovery, as you know, because I talk about that a lot on the bike. So I don't know, it's, it's a, every day it's different, but I enjoy being relevant. I enjoy being a part of, you know, the thread of somebody's life. And um, I enjoy the opportunity to receive energy. Like I need that. I, I, I wouldn't be a good hermit at all. I would be so depressed. I 100% have always felt that you and I shared something. I heal when I heal others. Yeah. So that is witchy 100 like Bless you. Yes. So when I am taking care of someone else. It's fulfilling. In a boundary that works for me. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll insert that. When I am nurturing, when I am helping someone else, I heal myself. Yeah. So I, I have always admired feeling that from you because mm -hmm. I have watched you 
teach not only your students, me being one of them, but your the the, the junior staff of teachers through the years. I mean, yeah. you, know, you know, I know, you know, who you mentored or who became Lori's, you know, on the bike. Um, oh, yeah. We, oh, yeah. You know, or or s- subscribe to your way of thought. Um, you've always been um, somebody that promoted self-care. Yeah. You, you, you talked about self-care before I knew what that before was. Before it was cool. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I, I look, I, I have this article, I have this email. I was going through all of my old, I don't, whatever. I've been cleaning out a bin that's been like, I don't know. And every time I clean it out, it seems to grow. I don't know what goes on in this bin. <laughs> because, found, you're, because you're a cancer. You can't yes, get like I'm me. hoarding all of my old sentimental memories. Yeah. I wrote an email to you. And I'm not going to read it now, but I will. I'm going to text you a picture of it. I wrote an email to you on New Year's Eve, 2009. Wow. Which 2009 was a really crap year for me. Um, but I wrote this email to you and I think it will be mind blowing for you to reread. I would and love to read I'm, it. I'm, I, I cried when I read it um, <gasps> because you realize just how integral your, your peace. So from me, who I, and I, I believe you also lead with a lot of empathy. We, we say all the time, leading with light is super important. We don't always understand a lot of people on their decision-making right yeah, now. Yeah, right. We really don't. But if we can continue to show up and be our best versions of ourselves and whatever we're doing, and we continue to lead with empathy and light and forgiveness and a degree of sensitivity, then, you know, then we're doing our part. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I believe now, again, this is a question that we usually ask. um, What do you think your superpower is? I mean, other than the 75, I just said you had. (laughs) what is my superpower I I think my superpower honestly is being able to understand energy and how to um manipulate it and when I say manipulate not in a negative way but it's like the arc of a soul cycle class right there's the warm-up there's the pop the party there's the soulful moment and then the cool down right it's this arc And I think you have to know how to read people's energy to know when to push, when to pull back, you know, and and I'm a very, you know, direct human being. Like I I just don't believe in, in fluffing somebody's feathers if it's not worthy or if it's not, if it's not warranted, like, I'm not going to say to you, you know, you're doing great when I know deep down inside, you know, that I know you're not. Mm. And, and that could, that could be anything. I, I don't mean like the way you ride. I just mean in everything. And so, you know, I try to remain truthful, but I don't know if, if my superpower is so much telling truth as it is knowing when to, when to, when to show it, because I think you have to earn people's trust. And I think you have to be consistent in their lives, right. For them to, to, to really honor their own self so if they can trust you, then they can trust themselves. And so maybe that is one of my superpowers. I'm very energetically connected like you. And I, I believe in the human spirit. Like I, I, I know people can pull themselves out of horrible situations. I have seen miracles um, and witnessed them for the last 15 years. And then, you know, 20 of my professional or 21 of my professional teaching career which is mind blowing. But I think when you do something a lot and you do it often, 
you get really good at, at knowing how to manipulate things and people and even yourself. Like I'm still, you know, figuring it out in a lot of ways because the world's changed, right? The landscape's different. That's, you know, I I think, you know, I I love that, that you just said that about your own yourself as your superpower. I think we believe that everyone has something that they bring to a relationship, to a situation that not everybody else could bring ever. And there's something super unique about what Lori brings to her classes, to anyone that's ever kind of in contact with her. We said that in our caption on social media, but we mean it. I mean, it's so, um, you know, Marissa and I always talk about our, our superpowers with people and it is, I do believe that you, we all have one. We just may not yeah. know what that what is. It is, but I, I think, you know, with that, we always also ask, um, which I could laugh at, at this question for you because you have so many, what we call Lori isms, right. And they've changed over the years, write that down, um, write that down. And she'll say it because she wants to remember it as she's teaching and forgets. Um, but there's so much you say, and obviously so much of what you do when you're on the bike is inspiring others and to keep going and keep riding, but also keep living. And you have so many things that you have said over the years as quote mantras that we always say, you know, do you have a mantra? I mean, Lori probably has 50 mantras. But um, to be fair, when she's on the bike, she's, oh, oh she's, she's scrolling. All of her mantras. All of her mantras. Um, in case, in case, oh my God, that was a long scroll. Um, but I, I will say this. I know she and I have connected on this. When she's on the bike, like when I'm doing something, when I'm spiritually connected, I don't always remember what I say. Mm. Um, which is such an interesting thing because when you're channeling energy, you don't always, your brain is not really there. You're a vessel for the energy. And Lori definitely has that. There have been many times where I'll say something right after. I think social media probably helps you because if yeah. someone tags you in it, you're like, oh yeah. yeah. Like, they yeah. yeah. Um, but I think in all fairness for you, there's probably been a lot of things that you've said out loud on the bike. And if you were given a million dollars, five minutes after you'd have no idea you said it. Right. And so right. we start I off with lipstick and we ended, I'll see you when I see you and everything that happened in between, who knows what happened? Who knows? Right? That just but means say, you have to be open to it. Yes. You have to be really open to receiving. So, so tell us what is your current, what is your current LC like current mantra? Like, you say, are you saying to yourself to get up every day? Because by the way, it's a lot to carry what you're carrying right now. Well, I'll tell you some things I've learned that confidence doesn't always equate competence. Mm. I think there's a lot of false confidence out there and, you know, which is fine, but it's all, it feels very bubblegum, right? It's not who I want to be. It's not who I want to follow. Um, I said today, and I, I've, I had already written it down that if you don't recognize your power, how can you, you know, um, exercise your power? So I think that's, that's a superpower. Like you have to be able to recognize your power and not feel shame over it. Mm. And I think anybody who's been doing anything for a long time, like us, you know, sometimes you get shamed for your success. Mm. And that comes from the shame of the person that can publicly shame you, but not, but not publicly apologize, you know? So it's a complicated thing these days. I, I think you have to really trust that you're being truthful because if you're being truthful, you don't have to make any excuses for who you are. 
I think one of my favorite Laurieisms, if I can say, there's so many, but one of the things that Lori always used to say, I don't know if you say it as much anymore, but that resonates with me is nothing ever changes if nothing ever changes. It's one of my favorite Laurieisms. Is unless you change it. Yeah. Like nothing's going to change unless you change it. Like you got to change it. And we say that, we say that so often to our listeners and our followers, you know, you have to go after your own destiny. I love her so much. I know. I love her so much, but like, you have to go after your own destiny. I just like had a moment by myself in my own head. (laughs) I was like, I've cried in that classroom so many times. I'm like, oh my God. She's like, well, you know, when we started this and and we're wrapping now, Jamie will ask you our favorite, our favorite question. um, Especially for someone like you who has this brand that you're part of, but you know, we started this from an intuitive place of need. Where, you know, Jamie worked in a corporate experience. I never did. I've always worked in a scrappy experience. I always, I, I must say this on air. There is a moment that Julie and Elizabeth, I know would remember. Where they offered me, I, I took a meeting with them and I thought I was helping them with their staffing. And instead they offered me their HR position. And I looked at them and first of all, I was wearing a blazer I still have it, by the way. And when I was done with the meeting, I noticed that, you know, the security tag that looks like you shoplifted Mm. was still on the blazer during the whole meeting. So I was not only flabbergasted (laughs) that they offered me a position, but also humiliated that they thought I stole. So um, these are, these are, that's not relevant to the point. The point is I remember the blazer for those two reasons, but they offered me a position to be their HR manager. Wow. This is an old school story. And I was like, I don't have any of those skills like at all but jamie does <laughs> jamie did and i said i'm like i'm a salesperson like i can recruit i can sell i can fill this i can fill the staff but like i don't know anything about hr other than the fact that i know what kind of people you want in here like that's yeah. it yeah and i have thought about that conversation in my professional life wow i don't know a thousand times if not two thousand because you just don't know where your path and how your choices will shape you. And, you know, in retrospect, I was very happy. I remember walking out and just being so thrown off that that happened, but also very flattered and excited. But I also remember thinking, this is my safe space. Yeah. I don't know necessarily if I want to work there. I want, I want to, I want to be part of it. I want to contribute to it. Yep. I want to believe in it, but I don't want to be there every day. And that was a very important life lesson for me. So very smart. important that I think about, you know, and like I said, I don't have a lot of mentors. I'm self-made, right? So, you know, when we put these podcasts together, we were interviewing people that I now consider my personal or professional with Jamie board of directors. Right. So, you know, you are a hundred percent. We took us like 40 something guests to get you. But I mean, if I could, I would have started with you one, right? Because mm. if all, in all fairness, if I were to count the people that have kept me sane or managed me up or held me accountable or challenged me or healed me mm. or pushed me, you would be one of them. Aww. So, you know, that thank you for being on my board. I really Aww. appreciate it. And, you know, I, I'm glad to be able to say that to you publicly because I've said it to you privately, but a public yeah. acknowledgement of how important your teaching has been in my life. Thank you so is much. so significant. So Jamie, you want to end? Same. I might cry a little. 
Isn't that such a Marissa Jamie moment? It's like same, like echo, whatever she said. Whatever she said. Um, no, I, I mean, obviously Lori knows this, but I, you know, I couldn't agree with Marissa more. And I did work in a corporate environment. Hi, Gypsy. Gypsy. Gypsy just popped in. Sorry. Oh my god! I've never seen that dog. Yeah, yeah she's, she's new. She's new to the party. Say hi. That's Gypsy. How old is she? She's five months old. Oh my god! She just started at Soul Cycle five months ago. <laughs> she has a white vest. She's not an OG, yo. She's not an OG. Um. Okay. So our favorite kind of last question. I mean, you probably have so many that you could say, but you know, Soul Cycle. Let's just pause here. One of the things that I have done, a passion project of mine as part of the dream catchers and choice has been what I'm now terming the brand crush project, which is a trademarked foolproof method as to how to land your dream job, dream job, which is something that I now teach. Um, and one of the things that I always implore people that are looking for jobs to do is really identify their brand crush. Like what companies do you think are just killing it and can you work for them and if you can't work for them can you work with companies that work with them etc and so i literally often i mean when i give this spiel to people soul cycle is my original brand crush it is 150 percent the brand that i thought was doing all the things right from the very beginning and even in transition and change you know i was able to still connect to and that is largely because of you because I think that one of the things that stayed consistent for me, even in all the changes, every studio that opened, there was always Lori. Like I could always just like take a Lori class. It didn't matter how big the company had gotten. I could still walk in. And that experience is the exact same thing that I experienced in 2007. Right. So that is a really big compliment, <laughs> really big compliment. No, but really big um, you know, revelation that I've had as I've gotten older and more in my professional career, that that is something you cannot really replace is that brand experience. So, you know, I always ask this of my guests, but this is a, this is a tough one because of who you are and where you work is, you know, do you have a brand crush? Is there, is there somebody that you think, you know, I follow you on social. So I know the companies that you think are doing really amazing things and where you go and where you spend your time. But do you think whether pandemic related or not, but maybe pandemic related, just because we love to shout out other brands that we think are doing something really amazing right now. Do you have any brand crush that kind of keeps you motivated and inspired and, um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I am very, um, uh, attracted to brands that are generally small or smaller mm. and mm. that I have some type of connection to maybe the founder or owner or whatever. And so a couple of brands that I've been really loyal to and then developed really amazing relationships with, uh, one that comes to mind right now, but not so much pandemic, although it was always a part of my pandemic story is Lord Jones, mm-hmm. which, um, was started by a husband and wife, um, Cindy and Rob um, Rosenheck out of LA and they own a marketing, they're from New Jersey and they owned a very successful marketing firm and they turned in this CBD um, formula company into this like, like multi, multi hundred million dollar brand. And I reached out to them and I said, I want to make a soul cycle, like CBD cream, like in the grapefruit scent. And so they flew and, and like, it took 
the company a long time to like trust me and then finally i got them in a meeting with the with the founder and they were like sign us up and it was the mm-hmm. single most successful retail item we sold to date that was that grapefruit scented cbd cream from lord jones that was made for us um and so that's that- still available it's still available. It doesn't have the Soul Cycle wheel on it, but it's just the grapefruit scent, which is, you know, and I was a part of that whole process, how to choose which scent, how much grapefruit, what did, what did the packaging look like? Like, like I, I really, I really, yeah, I really get off on like doing projects like that. And even like, um, I still have some of those original Soul Cycle grapefruit candles in my house, like the original, original. Yeah. That project was a project Julie Rice did with Jonathan Adler. Um, Yeah. And that, that, that's still available. And then, um, you know, I have like little things that, that are done by bigger companies, but I was one of the first Lululemon ambassadors in New York City. And I remember when I went and saw your picture and I was like, no way. Like that yeah, was like a really big deal to be an ambassador at yeah. that time. Like a big deal. Yeah. And the, all the Lululemon employees were brand new and they all got to ride for free because that was our exchange. You would help us build the company. You could ride for free. Anyways, long story short, fast forward before the pandemic, about a year and change before the pandemic, they flew us up to um, Vancouver to go to the mothership of, of Lululemon, which I still have a lot of friends that work there and are uh, you know part of the executive team. And we got to design a collection, me and Ayana um for soul cycle and even though lululemon is a major brand i had never been to the mothership and it's like going to like the campus of google i mean it is mm-hmm. like it is a well-oiled machine and i happen to be there i'll never forget it on international women's day and, oh i love that and so they had a whole like thing going on you know and they gave gifts and cards and everything and i was like this is so impressive but you know with those big corporations comes big responsibilities but you know we spent three days there working in the in the i think the white lab it's called which is a room well it's like it's like a dungeon going down with a bunch of scientists they have like 80 scientists that work on their product um and so we created a whole collection and then we shot it in new york um probably a year later after they made the collection and it sold out on the first day so like Mm -hmm. i felt really kind of proud to be a part of that. My name wasn't on it, but it was, you know, designed by me and Ayana and, and the team at, at Lulu. So that was kind of cool. I've always had a brand crush on Lulu because it's obvious they were the pioneers of kind of that apparel that made it chic and cool to not just work out in, but to walk around in. And I mean, thank God for them, right? Company. Thank God for thank them is right. Thank I God still for them. swear by my wonder unders. Still swear by those. Yes. I still have my original then, pair. You know, I'm like, I'm really into aloe yoga for apparel. Like that's my jam as my body has changed as I've gotten older. And, um, you know, I just like anything that's a little more groundbreaking. Like, like for me, Glossier was chic and cool, but it wasn't organic and, 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 you know, good for you in that sense. And so like Victoria Beckham beauty does all clean branding and shipping. And so a friend of mine, Sarah Creole, is the CEO of Victoria Beckham Beauty. And I really love the brand. They let me kind of test out all of the product before they they created it and sold it to the to see how it would, you know, hold up on a workout because women who wear that work out. And, mm-hmm. and 
and it's just so great the way that they ship in in the boxes and the plastic and the plastic disintegrates because it's not plastic all you have to do is run under water um everything I love that available and it's all clean makeup you know every every part of it and so i really i I'm, i love in, I enjoy being part of the story of something that hasn't been done or is new. And I love to help it grow. And, and, and a smaller local example of that would be Laughing Man, my mm-hmm. uh, coffee shop that's co-owned by Hugh Jackman um, and my friend David and Cece. And, and it happens to be in the neighborhood I live in and it's doing phenomenally. Like they've expanded and I bet you they they, you know, kind of branch out beyond New York City. But I, I love brands like that, that that are doing something cool and innovative and different and keeping it small. You know, I think that's the only thing I would have done different is to keep it small. Mm. And the whole idea of bringing soul to the people, which I think is a great idea, is that sometimes it dilutes the product, right? Like it's hard, like you were saying before, to duplicate the experience. And luckily we've had so many talented um, instructors that were able to keep the integrity of the brand alive, but that doesn't always work in other brands, you know? Yeah. No, it doesn't. You lose that specialness, like, like rag and bone, for instance, the owners who used to ride with us, um, David, who's married to Gucci Westman. She does, she has the Atelier um, beauty line that's on goop. Like as soon as they sold, like, I really had no interest in rag and bone. Like it just became kind of like run of the mill, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, and my friend who owned Intermix, um, Haro, same thing. It's like the buyers were different and then it just became more run of the mill. And I just was like, eh. and then I became a little more awake and I wanted to, to support brands that were actually making a difference, not mm-hmm. just in a monetary way or capitalistic way, but actually giving back like laughing man gives back to the community that makes their coffee and pays people for what they're worth to, to source the coffee beans. That's important. It's very important. And I don't buy fast fashion anymore. I try not to. Um, I I think vintage is where it's at. And, um, and I like to, you know, be conscientious. I, 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 I don't drink out of single use plastic anymore. Um, and so I think all of these things kind of add up to, to, to this. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, you have to make a difference in order to make a difference. And I, I'm attracted to brands that are making a difference and maybe there'll be more now that the world's opening up. I'm sure. Cause New York is going to change. There's a whole generation of people that don't even know the things that have closed because they weren't here and yeah. they're going to create their own path and it's going to be really cool and amazing and real estate won't be as expensive. And so maybe it'll bring back the artists and what New York was really about, which is kind of exciting. 525,600 minutes. minutes. I can't wait for Broadway to open. By the way, I heard that today. You're like, do you remember you said that? I I was like, I I wooted that. What was the last? I wooted that too. Before lockdown. What? What was the last Broadway show you saw before lockdown? We saw, um, Marissa, what was our show last year that we saw? Was it Mean oh Girls? God. No, wasn't no. Mean Girls. We saw something after Mean Girls. Mine we saw American. I was, yeah. I was supposed to see Moulin Rouge in March of 2020 for my birthday last year, and I didn't get to go. 
um, which is really sad. And then they like, well, I think honor our tickets at some point. But oh, we saw Ain't Too Proud. Ain't Too Proud. Oh, so which is good. Jersey so good. Uh, Boys. Um, Love Temptation. It. Oh, my God. So good. <laughs> like, not Jersey Boys. They have, like Temptations. There it is. Um, the anti-Jersey so, Boys. Yeah. The anti-Jersey Boys. But the other side. Time. The other side. Well, Lori, yeah. this was such a pleasure. Oh, and thank you, Marissa. Thank I'm you. so happy that you guys were, that we were here with you today. Thank you to a shared universe um, for our sound, and you know, a, just a special you. cheers to our city, your city, your adopted city. Now, um, thanks for cheers. keeping the soul and the lights on there. Yeah, I can't wait to come back and see I her grow wait. and change. I like what you just said. I like what you just said about the new people that will come in and create a version of New York that it will revitalize and do its thing all over again, and that's okay. Um, and I really like to focus on that rather than what's been left behind because the truth is is a lot of the things that were left behind or a lot of the things that were but we lost we needed to lose anyway I so um i'm 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 looking forward to coming back into the city regularly i would love to take a live class outside yeah timing it right where i can maybe wear a layer or two less yes um, we're getting there it's been beautiful we're getting there and until then i mean we'll just see you when we see you See you when I see you. I love you both so much. And I, I, I love Lori. you too. Thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you. Every day that we leave with light as the Dreamcatchers is made possible by our parent company, Partners in Crime, Choice Fashion and Media, Division of Choice Associates, where we've been putting people to work since 1974. So if you're looking for work or you're looking for people to work for you, check us out, www.choicepersonnelinc.com.